Nothing discussed with Dr. Eduardo Jones in this conversation is meant to diagnose or treat any condition or takes the place of talking with your own healthcare professionals. Aloha, everyone, and welcome to another conversation on our journey from anxiety to clarity. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich from Sutter Health Kahimohala, and this limited series is a project of Evan Leong of Brain Gain Hawaii, my colleague at Kahimohala, Trisha Kajimura, and me. And it's our hope that these informal conversations will be helpful and hopeful as we're all moving through the age of COVID-19. And we are moving. Over the last many weeks, Hawaii has had only single-digit COVID-19 new cases. Retail shops and other businesses have been opening, albeit with distancing and masking. Beaches are now being allowed to open, also with certain restrictions. And the state legislature is back in session trying to figure out the state budget. The order to stay at home has become safer at home. And at home are many people who are still working remotely as others, almost actually over a third of those who were formerly employed are now dealing with upended lives. So a big question for today is how can we all prepare ourselves for whatever may be coming next? And, and what could our individual and collective growth look like in a post-pandemic or at least next stage pandemic world? We're gonna talk about that today. And clinical psychologist Eduardo Jones has a few ideas about all of that. Dr. Jones is the behavioral health director at Sutter Health Kahimohala. He's also a husband and a father of a toddler. He's well invested in the future and how all can get there. So I'd like to welcome to uh, our conversation today, Dr. Eduardo Jones. Hello, Eduardo. Hi, Beth Ann. Uh, How are you? I'm doing well. I really appreciate you inviting me to join you this morning and uh, be able to have a conversation about these timely topics. Well, I'm very glad to be able to talk to you about it because you're you're dealing with this both professionally and certainly at home as you look at your mm -hmm. own family and, and what that means is we're all trying to move through what has been uh, the, the most unforeseen of times yeah. for many of us and, and having to react without a whole lot of preparation. I mean, this isn't like other things that we've seen, mm -hmm. whether the Great Recession or 9-11 or even hurricane seasons of, of recent years. Yeah very, very different and strange reality. So mm. I'm wondering, as you deal with this as a very personal level, looking at your family, how you approach what you'd like to see happen for, for all of us? Mm -hmm. uh, great question. You know, I think as I was uh, first kind of considering this, one of the concepts that came to mind was that of post-traumatic growth. And that's really a concept that uh, was coined by a couple of psychologists over, I think now two or three decades ago, uh, Tedeschi and Calhoun. And really it's this idea that, um, kind of going back to ancient wisdom, but that we can experience profound positive psychological changes from wrestling and having to overcome or go through very challenging life experiences. So, um, that isn't always the case. Uh, I don't think anyone ever looks forward or, or invites these sort of experiences, but we do know from both the psychological literature, I think also kind of our own experiences that sometimes very 
destabilizing and unexpected experiences like this can, in the long term, when we're looking back, lead to really profound uh, positive changes. That sounds a little bit, forgive me, like sort of no pain, no gain. Is that part or, or baked into how we learn or, or some of what we need to have to spur us into greater learning? I, I think you're hitting the uh, nail on the head there that, um, you know, life is a bit paradoxical where none of us wants to experience pain. Uh, we feel best when things are kind of rolling along smoothly and uh, we're feeling really positively and things are going our way. But uh, often when folks kind of look back on our lives and we look back at our own and we think about the times where we've really grown and made sort of quantum leaps, there often is you know, some part of adversity and difficulty associated with that. And you know, I think this is a really unique opportunity because we're kind of all collectively facing this adversity that's been uh, destabilizing, where a lot of us have been on lockdown, at home, quarantine, maybe lost jobs. And uh, it's given us a tremendous amount of time to kind of really reflect and think about our lives, think about the things that are important. Uh, we're missing different things, uh, have been unable to participate in different activities or uh, things that were meaningful to us that maybe were potentially seen in a very different lens than we did before. And as you kind of mentioned, uh, particularly here in Hawaii, uh, a lot is beginning to open back up and we're you know, looking at an opportunity to kind of go back in the world anew. And uh, with that, I think that there is a kind of tremendous opportunity to make changes that um, maybe you know weren't available to us or we were just kind of caught in the humdrum of life and um, that now after this reflection, we're looking at things a little bit differently. People have different levels of that reflection. I'm just yeah. thinking about, you know, those people who've been working at home mm -hmm. and feeling, you know, fairly stable in, in their, at least their professional mm -hmm. lives yeah. because productive, maybe being able to spend more time with family, having yeah. to portion the day and yeah. what you're going to do when you've got kids and pets yeah. and house and everybody clamoring for attention mm -hmm. plus having work done living more sense of, of of really full and rich sort of not exactly yeah. 24 hours but but really longer yeah. days maybe yeah. they beforehand and then you have the flip side of that mm -hmm. the people are at home just eating gut for lack of a better term over mm -hmm. what come next for them mm -hmm. and, and kind of of you know, anxiety that's yeah. not necessarily being felt by people who are inconvenienced by having to yeah. go out, mask on, or get yeah. things and feel relatively stable. So when you look at this sense of post-traumatic growth, uh, it would almost seem like there are people who are more poised for that, the more dire their situation may yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, again, I, I have to say that you're right on. I, I first just really appreciate you acknowledging that even though uh, there are some common elements to this pandemic and the effects that we're experiencing in terms of a lot of folks being um, you know, quarantined and, and uh, not having access to certain things based off folks' economic situation, the type of work that they're doing, there is a really vast array of different experiences from folks that are maybe um, 
you know, as you mentioned, just kind of adjusting to what it's like to work at home with kids to folks that are, um, you know, out of work and may not be able to return to the sort of work that they did in the past. So uh, I think that's important to, to realize and, and take into account in any sort of conversation like this. Um, the second point that you touched on that I think is really valuable is that, you know, for those that are uh, dealing with sort of more uh, challenges and, and, and maybe having to having more of a disruption in terms of maybe having to look at different jobs, being out of work. Uh, when I was kind of reviewing some of the, the literature in, in, in advance of this conversation, the, that growth, that post-traumatic growth appears really to be inextricably linked to that sort of hardship. So it is um, potentially those sort of folks that are having to make the most changes and having to do with the most difficulty that really have the most amount of opportunity to grow from this compared with folks that maybe have not been inconvenienced in the same sort of way. Um, and uh, I think yeah. there's an opportunity there. I, I'm, I'm just nodding at you, just yeah. thinking about what you know, some of our grandmothers would say about yeah. really never know somebody's character. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. Until it's tested, yeah. and figure out what kind of you know metal you really have, or if it's all been a lot of you know discussion and a lot of talk about it. Yeah, yeah, um, you're absolutely right. And you know, for my generation, there, you know, this is something new, and and there hasn't you know been as great of sort of a world event that's had this sort of effect, you know, uh, but for folks, grandparents or great, you know, folks that, that have gone through world wars that, uh, uh, folks that went through the, uh, the, I think the Spanish flu of the, the early 1900s, um, you know, this is something and these sort of events were are really something that uh, humanity has been dealing for time immemorial, you know, famines, plagues, war, different hardships, and we've been extremely fortunate in recent decades to, particularly here in America, to not really have these sort of hardships. And it's interesting at the same time, when we look back at the sort of uh, different generations, and, and, and you know, often, you know, we look to, you know, the older generations and uh, the great generation, you know, World War II as, as folks, you know, folks that su survived the Great Depression as people that uh, had tremendous character, uh, really uh, were innovative and learned to work together and to cooperate uh, that became very savvy and were good at uh, saving and having a certain ingenuity and it's hard uh, not to believe that those very trying and difficult circumstances really did build a sort of resolve in, in character that um, you know many of us are kind of nostalgic about and uh, perhaps well, there's I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it makes me think too of, of what some of the older generations have said about younger ones mm -hmm. that you know, we're kind of soft. Yeah. That we really yeah. don't understand what hardship is all yeah. about. Never yeah. had it come to our door. And for, for many people across the country, it's now in their living rooms. I mean, they're living, it's in their yeah. stomach, their yeah. things all the time. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering that. If if this is sort of a, I hate to say sort of a natural progression toward being able to get us all a little bit more hardy in some mm -hmm. way, or, mm -hmm. or to reapportion how we look at the world and what we want from it and what we think our obligation is to it. Yeah. Well, I think uh, if there 
is an opportunity to kind of take a silver lining out of this and to personally grow and make positive changes. It's by having that sort of perspective about it and being willing to reflect on our own lives and our own behaviors and saying, okay, wow, um, these are really unforeseen, challenging circumstances that are uh, rocking a lot of people to their core, have uh, significantly affected their lives, but uh, how can we adapt to it? How can we, uh, what sort of changes can we make personally? What sort of what sort of ways do we want to be as uh, the world begins to open up? You know, maybe to go back to kind of what you were sharing. For a lot of us, this has been a lot more time um, in our homes with our families, with parents, with siblings, with children, and uh, you know, myself, and, and, and I think for others, it, for that uh, with that we've gotten to spend more quality time. Things have slowed down. Uh, a lot of families. You know, watching shows together, making food together, playing board games, and getting to enjoy perhaps a richness of connection that uh, wasn't quite there when uh, we were able to kind of go out and the world was kind of going by so quickly. And so is there an aspect of that slowdown and that uh, perhaps higher granularity of, of connection that we want to continue to practice and a way that we want to continue to be with the people that are most important to us? There was this idea for quite a while about, you know, the fear of missing out FOMO. Mm -hmm. Everybody yeah. was yeah. so concerned about FOMO. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. they having to get on top of everything at all yeah. the time. And then the, the freneticism around that seemed mm -hmm. to turn so negatively that people were really looking forward to saying no. Mm -hmm. And then you know, JOMO came out, you know, the joy of missing out. Yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> That one's a new one to me. I hadn't heard of that. And I mean, just, just thinking about this idea of being able to say, you know, it's really good to kind of close your door yeah. and pull down the shutters and be with each other at home or have smaller intimate gatherings and being able yeah. to have good conversations with yeah. everyone opposed to saying, well, I did yeah. this, this, I did that. I, I'm yeah. just having a massive check to keep you with the cool kids. Yeah. And I'm yeah. seeing that this, as you're talking to other families and certainly the kids that you're with at, at Kahi, if, if this idea is percolating at all, especially because we've all been so addicted to social media, I'm you know, a journalist, I'm just as, as addicted to everything and, and news cycles and the rest of it. But I've noticed, in, just in myself, I can say I've, I've noticed this sense of pulling back and wanting to have real conversations with people, picking up the phone more. Yeah, yeah. Um, Asked one of my aunts if she would do me the kindness of sending me some real letters. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Yesterday, it was like, yeah. whoopee, thought yeah. it was pretty. And those kinds of things that were so meaningful to people in past that we're now discovering the joy yeah. in again, especially because there are things that take time. A lot of the things that you mentioned, board games, mm -hmm. able to cook with somebody. These are all things that, that, that take yeah. the Time. It's not just logging on, seeing what somebody said, yeah. tweeting, boom, we're done. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering how this is all percolating through your personal life as mm -hmm. well as you know, the kids and teens that you're dealing with at Kahi. Um, well, personally, uh, like I'm sure for many of it, it has been a lot of time. Uh, you know, I've been going to work, but at home with uh, my son and, and my partner. And um, there there has been sort of a, 
a surprise sort of joy in the connection and, and our ability to shore each other up and to um, be kind of close as a family unit, uh, not having the opportunity to kind of go out and uh, see people and have people over. And so, again, it's uh, not that we don't look forward to getting back to those opportunities and having some of those, but often because of how quick things are going, because of, you know, the fear of missing out all, of all that, uh, we, we don't really get to, you know, it's kind of, we're just kind of on autopilot with uh, a lot of our behaviors and we don't really get the contrast of what slowing down and having that you know, those closer connections, that more quality time and really having to rely on, you know, who's in your home, perhaps for like face-to-face -face interaction, you know, that now they're, you know, you know uh, your dinner company, your breakfast, lunch company, they're your entertainment. I mean, they're, you know, yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I have to say personally, it, it's uh, been surprisingly nice. I didn't, uh, mm -hmm. I also made a, a recent move up from uh, Kailua to Halieva and uh, living more in the country. And, and, and I've been very shocked by uh, how pleasant it's been, how, how peaceful it's been and, and kind of the, uh, the calmness of it compared to kind of how things were previously. So, um, card I'm, I'm, Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say with regard to professionally, uh, you know, one of the things that has been nice to see is uh, working with youth uh, in a residential facility and, you know, them you know, thinking about their, their parents or, or family members who are elderly, who maybe have pre-existing health conditions and, and hearing them saying, you know, oh, you know, trying to reach out more often, call and, and really being mindful of that, trying to be on, on top of their hygiene and, and um, showing concern for, um, Know, older generation or, or folks that are more vulnerable, um, seeing that exemplified in, in some patients, and uh, you know, I think for hopefully the rest of us too, something that uh, has been a, an opportunity is to kind of, if we're doing all right, physical health wise, and in, in, in our situation where we are less vulnerable to maybe think about others and and take more time to write letters or reach out to them or build those relationships, appreciate them um, for those that um, you know, are not in that situation. In all of this and everything that we've talked about so far, do you think that we are well set up to see society actually change or is this going to be kind of a, a blip? And I ask you because earlier in the conversation when we talked about the effects of adversity, extreme adversary, adversity, world wars, um, famines, all kinds of things that we can go back and look over the last hundred years and see, those changed people for a couple of generations. Mm -hmm. And then some of the, that began to winnow away and people were happier and settled and, and less likely to want to revisit some of those yeah. things, some of the lessons of those times as being particularly good. Uh, yeah. And I'm wondering if you see that because of, of what we know and, and that lens of hindsight, if this is going to create profound change in our society. That's a really good question. Um, you know, I think it's hard to know on a societal level, certainly there are economic changes that will probably be longstanding. Um, there will be ways of 
that we think about our vulnerability to um, events like this and hopefully our kind of our preparation for that. Um, in terms of the other areas potentially of growth, I, I, I guess I tend to think about them more on a individual level in terms of what is the work that each of us does and, and to either really capitalize and, and try to use this as and remember the lessons of this time um, versus uh, perhaps, you know, folks that are just hoping to kind of get back life to life as usual. And, and you know, I think that's okay. Um, but I think it's up to each of us to uh, Really though, I mean, okay to think that there that there's gonna be a way of moving back into the way things were. I mean, even in some of the conversations that we had earlier or, or some part of that, understanding that having come through this, you can't suddenly pretend you didn't have that experience. You know, yeah, this yeah. Is back into the bottle and two face mm -hmm. back mm -hmm. all, you know, I mean those kinds of ideas that yeah. you know, it's like telling uh, you know, in, in court. Yeah. telling you know the the jury uh yeah. disregard that last yeah. yeah i mean it's really hard to do once you know something mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if there's really going to be that sense of of yearning for what was as opposed to a, being able to appreciate what is and and seeing the growth in ourselves because yeah. of the difference mm -hmm. yeah uh I mean, I certainly agree that there's going to, no one's, we'll soon forget this. There um, will be kind of a variety of different ways that folks emerge and make meaning of it. But I guess in, in that, um, you know, is that it's up to each of us to individually to uh, kind of create our own meaning from it and to look at the ways that this is personally effective us, how, how our lives change, how has our behavior changed since this has happened? What part of that do we appreciate? Um, and what of those changes do we want to continue moving forward and, and, and to create? Um, you know, I'll give you one example. I think for a lot of folks, you know, this has kind of been uh, a wake up call to uh, looking at our own, you know, mental and physical health. You know, we know that um, folks that uh, have compromised immune system and comorbidities, um, you know, are in a more vulnerable position. And, and a lot of us, when we're caught in the hustle of life and, and just kind of running from appointment to appointment and to work and to kids and all that, you know, we, we don't really have the time to, or have taken the time to really attend to how are we doing physically? Are we, you know, living the way that we want to? Are we taking time to take care of our, our mental and physical health? And, um, you know, I think a lot of folks, you know, you go to the stores and like the vitamin C is out, other supplements are out. Uh, sometimes they're like all the, you know, spinach is out and, and people are like, I imagine, you know, really increase their green, you know, their intake of, uh, you know, you know, the foods that we know that are, are good for us and, and, and different things. And, and people have tried to get creative about how to be active at home or in ways that they can. And so, um, you know, I think that's a positive attention that, you know, has happened for a lot of folks and, and hopefully, uh, Many of us are inspired to to keep those positive changes moving forward because uh, we don't know what will happen, but we know if that we're doing the things to take care of our, ourselves physically and our, our, take care of ourselves mentally, 
we're in the best position to deal with hardships and to adapt to and to changing environments and come out on the other end stronger for it. Do you think we'll be good about putting these lessons into something that's that's more permanent? I mean, being able to pass them on so that they become part of our collective consciousness in a way that say a lot of the stories from World War II, yeah. um, I mean, just fill in the blank, yeah. the, the depression, all of those things yeah. that have part of our collective consciousness at some level. Yeah. Uh, has this reawakened the ability of us to, to push this into our, yeah. our greater consciousness and, and, and yeah. pass it on so that some of these lessons uh, will hopefully have some greater longevity? Um, certainly, I, I think some, so for um, at least some things, you know, I think, you know, as a culture, we, uh, in a country where, the most affluent, one of the most affluent times, and yet, you know, we're in a very kind of consumerist uh, and uh, not here in America, not one that's particularly been very savvy and, and, and good about saving. And um, I think a lot of folks, uh, as a culture, we've kind of just lived pretty close to the line where with um, not giving as much consideration, just kind of expecting times to be good and not really many of us having a hardship like this. Um, uh, potentially in our lives or, or, or even our parents. And so um, I, I, I do expect that uh, this will change for a lot of us, our relationship and, 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 and way of thinking about money and saving and, and uh, preparation for shocks or hardships like this and the way that uh, maybe our grandparents, uh, folks that kind of lived through the Great Depression, we know just would not let go of stuff, were just very wise with their money, would readily stretch and uh, really think carefully about uh, purchases and what was necessary and kind of had in their mind that, yeah, times may be good right now, but just because times have been good now or for maybe a decade doesn't ensure that um, that's how it'll always be. So that's a, a change that I expect could be positive for folks. Um, um, I think, you know, we've seen and really appreciated uh, healthcare workers and, and the necessity of that. I think this is all for many of us gotten interested in, um, you know, what's necessary to keep ourselves well and uh, maybe in the sciences or healthcare or other areas that certainly we could um, always looking for, you know, more folks and, and, and young talented minds, innovative folks to kind of go into and see you know, how can we protect ourselves against uh, these sort of events and, uh, make it so that we're able to be the healthiest possible and, and, and be as resilient as possible. And so, you know, do expect a lot of, you know, the, the, the pre-med and nursing and uh, all healthcare related fields to see a real big influx of, uh, of students uh, looking in those areas. And, uh, you know, I can imagine that there's a number of other positive changes that will kind of go into the collective consciousness that will uh, look decades back and, and know that those changes happened. Um, because of this event. You know, that makes me think a little bit of, of just sort of the, some of the economic realities in business mm -hmm. where we ha are seeing it, certain industries ramp up like healthcare yeah. because people mm -hmm. are so really acutely aware of mm -hmm. how important what they kind of knew was important uh, before, but now they know it's really important. Yeah, yeah. And having enough people to be able to staff that industry mm -hmm. at all levels. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
someone who is a, a housekeeper and so vital to keeping yeah. the facility clean and being well respected for what he or she does up to you know any any doc who is in any discipline oh that so incredibly necessary to somebody's life if they need that person. Yeah. But I was also thinking about your ideas of this you know growth mod model of, of what we might see within different economic sectors and and with businesses that may not survive mm -hmm. uh, very big companies and, and corporations really looking at going into chapter 11 if they haven't already done so what they're going to do to retool and that kind of goes back to what you said something to me a little, little bit earlier about this consumerist idea that mm -hmm. came to our culture where you know mm -hmm. more is better and mm -hmm. you you know have the cool stuff you're the cool kid mm -hmm. And that seems to be ripe for change with all of this. And I'm just wondering, you know, what you see with some of that as well, as a lot of these things may simply go away. I mean, do we need yeah. 50 kinds of ketchup, kinds uh, <laughs> of ideas that you know, yeah. some people are asking, do we really need this in the marketplace? And I'm not yeah. saying it's to, you have a, a choice of this or this, yeah. uh, but you know, how, how we find some middle ground with having choice, having opportunity, and not seeing so much in a capitalist marketplace like we have that's that is isn't able to survive well because there's just you know too much of it and people are, are scaling back and mm -hmm. needing to feel like they have both choice and opportunity but they're doing it based on um, a sense of being truly informed about mm -hmm. why what they need and some maybe shifting priorities yeah yeah, I uh, would agree with that. And I, I think there will kind of be that scaling back. And I think I was hearing about, I want to say it was in the Great Depression. I mean, certainly there was a lot of uh, um, unemployment and lost economic opportunities, but uh, there were also folks that um, were employed that, uh, you know, part of, you know, the industrial revolution that were, you know, doing really well. And uh, it became upon those family members that were um, still had jobs and doing well to really kind of take on and, and care for um, the larger kind of extended family based off salaries that folks really had gone beyond what folks had seen before in, in other eras. And, and I think similarly for those for, of us that are kind of fortunate, even though um, to kind of continue to have jobs, to perhaps uh, be working from home, even though we may not have experienced as much of an economic shock, all of us certainly uh, um, have either had that or are, have had close friends, family members that have. And so, you know, kind of what is our opportunity to be able to be helpful to those uh, family members and friends in this sort of time? And as we kind of go into and things kind of begin to open up, you know, we'll, we'll you know, and I imagine myself will think differently about, okay, well, do I really need this? Or, you know, is this an area where maybe I can save for um, if something, you know, negative happens in the future or, or uh, if I have a chance or if someone that I'm really close to has one too and I want to be able to um, be there and, and, and help provide maybe for more of the more basic essential needs uh, versus having something that would be nice today, but by next month, am I even really going to care about it or remember that, you know, that, that I wanted it? That's a good question because we know that happens a lot with impulse yeah. buying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great, you get it home like, oh, why did I do this? Mm -hmm. and so I think what I'm really hearing you say is, is developing 
a sense of mindfulness in all of this growth mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. not just about what we need today, but what is that going yeah. to mean tomorrow, next year, mm-hmm. five years from now, yeah. as well as the ability to help shape our communities perhaps in a very different way using all of this growth, negative as it may be for all the reasons we've talked about, but how we really have the opportunity to to shape a different community. I know there are those state level who are talking about that and captains of industry who are talking about that, Mm -hmm. um, looking at the balance of, you know, having to do right by their organizations, Mm -hmm. but also feeling some of that pull toward how do you create a better community? How do you create one that has more of the resilience mm-hmm. that we talked about? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering if you're seeing that sense of duality in both you know, younger people that you're talking to or just you know, the, the society at large within Hawaii, especially now that you're living in a smaller community in Haleiwa, how that translates in that, that push-pull of, I really would like to have a, a better community. I'd like to do well for my community, but if I if I buy this thing and it's local, it's going to cost me more than if I go and get the same thing at Walmart. And mm-hmm. and that, that real tension between yeah. trying to do yeah. right by friends, yeah. neighbors, communities, and feeling that real tug, mm-hmm. especially now, yeah, in your wallet. Yeah, um, I think that's a great question. You know. As you're saying that, I'm just thinking about for this experience, this event, how much it's shown us our level of interdependence and reliance on one another, and how much during this time in which we've, you know, been quarantined, that we've really missed our ability to gather and, and be together and come to to a sense of, of community, and so. Um, wanting to appreciate that and as we kind of move back out. And um, I do think it's critically important that uh, we think about where our, our, our time is going, our, our money is going, um, our energy is going, and um, whether that is part of uh, supporting the communities that we live in and helping to grow and nourish that because, um, you know, I, I think, in the end, those are the sort of things that matter. And, and um, you know, for me, this time it kind of <laughs> has, has shown that and, and I think for many others as well. And so um, I think for all of us to kind of take a look at that and, okay, well, you know, where is kind of my place in the community? What is my role? What is my stage of life? Um, how do I want to engage it and to contribute, to partake? Um, because uh, it's during these times that we really see the necessity of that and um, the strength that that can provide for uh, the larger community and for folks in vulnerable positions. And there's probably, I know many of us that um, um, are finding ourselves in that situation and are having to kind of rely on more community supports than perhaps we did in the past. And so uh, that's not something that we want to take for granted. And for a lot of people, it's tough to ask for help. But now as part of that growth that we've talked about yeah. is also one of the lessons slash blessings of, mm-hmm. of all of, this, of understanding that we are interdependent, that we yeah. are interconnected and no shame in asking when you yeah. need someone to, to give you a hand when you yeah. really need to give you a hand. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I feel like one of the, 
gate great secrets or, or revelations of life is, is that it does feel better to give than receive. I remember you know, seeing commercials about it as a kid and, you know, you're thinking about the holidays and I was like, I can't believe people are, you know, being, you know, sold on this. But of course, as you're kid, when you're on that side and, and getting the gifts, you're like, no, this is the best. Uh, but as we get older and, and, you know, getting to engage in those opportunities of being in a situation where you are really able to help out someone that you care about in a vulnerable state, uh, just the tremendous amount of joy and reward that it brings. And so now I kind of see um, asking for help as uh, really a strength of courage and uh, vulnerability and allowing for someone that's able to in the position to really have the joy of being able to to give. Um, it's uh, a, you know a service to the, the receiver and, and the giver. And, and, and that's not just, you know, us talking about it. Yeah. There have been studies about what happens in your brain. I mean, mm -hmm. the endorphins released when you give. And certainly yeah. the philanthropic community yeah. is, is dining out on that one a whole lot. Because it's yeah. anybody yeah. given, yeah. truly given from the heart, understands yeah. what that wonderful feeling is, is all about. Yeah. And how to translate that into a broader ability to help a community or help just a family or help one person Absolutely. is really an important byproduct product of what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering though, you know, as we've been talking so many different issues surrounding the idea of, of personal and community growth through all of this, what would you ask of people to, to really think deeply about and, and to carry with them tomorrow, next week, a year from now? Mm -hmm. What would you ask them to do? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think it would be to really have to write down about what their experiences have been the last couple of months, uh, how their lives have changed, how they've been affected, and to really have a way of kind of storing that and holding on to that. Um, and also to maybe do some journaling about what the positive things about that, what the negative things about that have been, what they want to remember, and to set some intentions for returning back to maybe not normal life, but more of the things that we have um, had to really you know, take advantage because most of us, you know, for folks that especially have uh, been at home and, and, and are working from home or not working, don't really ever have two months in their life to where they have this sort of time uh, to reflect and to really ask the big questions about life. And, and, uh, and I just really hope that, uh, everyone is able to use that in the most meaningful and powerful way possible to make the best of uh, this experience and to allow it to propel themselves to greater heights and greater growth. In memorializing all of this stuff and creating something that is lasting mm -hmm. and then having the opportunity to look through it later, mm -hmm. there's nothing like having your own words confront yeah. you. No, it's yeah. not saying something, it's really yeah. in what's your own experience wrought and what lessons there were or what frustrations, what joys, mm -hmm. all kinds of 
things that, that are there. So I think that's a really good tip to be able to deal with it. Plus, I think it helps you get some real clarity mm -hmm. when you have to put paper to pen or put your fingers to a keyboard uh, and not yeah. do a self-editing. Just let yeah. it happen and flow and then put it away and see how you feel about it later on. And if you wanted to share it with someone, yeah. that might be a way of, of perpetuating some of these lessons too. And maybe we'll see a project where somebody will look and, and try to collect all of these stories yeah. and yeah. that a story core was born in the beginning and then became something far larger at NPR. That mm -hmm. I, oh, I'm wondering, I keep percolating about these yeah. ideas. What will all these lessons mean for us? Yeah. Yeah. And we be able to quantify them and sort of, you know, bump up uh, yeah. a lot of consciousness about how we interact with each other. But that's just my musing. That's yeah. just mine. Yeah. I'm glad you've had some time to think about this too. Anything else that you think that would be important for people to know about, you know, uh, you know post-traumatic growth and what it is that they might expect from it and, and how they can have that be a real potent uh, you know, driver of their lives. Um, yeah, you know, there are five areas that uh, researchers and, and developers of this concept really looked at in terms of the growth that people are most likely to experience uh, out of this. And the first is sort of a greater appreciation of life and the change sense of priorities. I know we talked some about that. Um, another is just warmer, closer, intimate, more intimate relationships. Third is a, a greater sense of personal strength, you know, sort of resiliency, a recognition of the new possibilities or paths for one's life that may not formally have been seen. And the last that we maybe didn't touch it closely, but would maybe be an important part of uh, kind of this sort of journaling work or reflection is opportunities sort of for spiritual growth and uh, development. And so I just kind of put those out as maybe good areas for folks to reflect on. And as they choose to engage in sort of some sort of mindful journaling or other activity to kind of think of, you know, areas that kind of touch upon and look upon for themselves in terms of uh, if there are things that are being stimulated or activated or areas that they kind of want to invest in. I think there's probably a lot of praying and meditating and deep thinking and mindfulness that's happening now. That may be one of the best things that come out of this too, that, that sense of connection to self. And if one believes in a higher power to be able to feel that connection and bridging that to community and to so much of, of the good things that we can all do when we all come together with, with us, uh, a really great purpose. And I wanna thank you for the time that you were able to spend with us this morning to talk about some of that because yeah. it's an interesting take to look on that and and certainly not a lot of people want to be in a place where where pain mm -hmm. is their teacher and yet we hear all these maxims forever about mm -hmm. why it's so important to be able to transcend that pain and to create something good out of it and, and god knows there have been horrible things that have happened to families who have lost family members mm -hmm. and of all that we're not trying to offer platitudes in any yeah. sort of Mm -hmm. But it, it, somehow we have to be able to make meaning out of this in, in hopefully a positive way that allows us to go forward. And I want to thank you so much for everything you shared this morning. All right. Thanks for having me. Always good to talk to you. Thank you, Eduardo. Right. 
And to all of you who joined us, thank you so much for being with us for another conversation to hopefully take us from anxiety to a little more clarity. If you have a suggestion for a topic, if you'd like to ask a question, please uh, send me an email. My address is COZLOVB, that's K-O-Z as in zebra, L-O-V as in victory, B as in boy, at SutterHealth.org. And we'll make sure we get an answer for you if you have a question. Our friends over at Mental Health America are being uh, very gracious and they will answer questions and we'll get the answer back to you. And of course, I hope we'll see you next time for another conversation to take us from anxiety to clarity. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich. See you then.